This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by one of the most brilliant people we get a chance to visit with. We get to visit today with Dr. Jaime Murillo. Dr. Murillo's got a senior leadership role, a chief medical officer role at United Healthcare, United Health Group. He's going to talk to us about his current role. He's also a Yale University Medical School graduate, uh, bright, bright person. Uh, we got a chance to talk to him about a year ago about metabolic issues and, and such a fascinating part of healthcare, cardiovascular, the mix of cardiovascular and metabolic issues. Today, we'll talk to him about his current role and what he's most focused on this coming year. Dr. Murillo, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and, and also tell us where you're most focused this coming year? Yes, Scott. First of all, thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure to discuss these topics with you. So I'll just say that form of introduction, I did practice cardiology for close to 20 years and have a background in computer sciences and AI, uh, obviously within the clinical context, lots of years uh, in research, uh, ranging from basic sciences to outcomes and population health. Also, uh, having had the privilege of doing executive work with our previous healthcare system, I have been with United for about five years. Uh, you spend the first two years at United Healthcare, which is our health plan or payers, as it's most commonly known. And uh, over the past three years, working on research development and innovation. Thank you. When you look at this coming year, you've got this broad range of interest. I know at one point you worked at the Santara Medical Group with either Dave Byrne or Howard Kern, one of them, a great, great group, and now have been at United for the last five years. What are you most focused on and excited about this year? Yes, uh, thank you. A lot of good things happening in the healthcare space, as everybody knows. So I usually like to define exactly where we're going to focus. So right now I have three areas, which are in itself broad. One is chronic disease. The second one is healthcare disparities. And the third one is the uh, use of technology in the healthcare space. So why those three areas? So everybody knows that chronic disease is 90% of the healthcare spend, which in the U.S. is $4.1 trillion. So that's a sizable amount. I strongly believe that when we approach disparities in health equity, we can make the most impact. And the last one about technology is, if we use technology, then we're going to be able to overcome a lot of barriers that we currently have. So um, I have the privilege of actually wrapping up a project uh, that combines all three of these elements in controlling hypertension in a medically underserved population, uh, mostly black in the Detroit area. And we're still wrapping it up. I can tell you the results are way better than we expected and hopefully will serve us to built upon future projects. Thank you. And this, this, this point that 90% of healthcare costs are somehow or another tied to chronic ailments, chronic illnesses, I don't know that all of us appreciated that it's that high a percentage. And so, so much effort spent around this area, so, so important to controlling healthcare costs. And in these three areas, healthcare disparities, chronic illnesses, and technology, Talk for a moment about how important it is that those three areas weave together, that, that the interplay between the three. Can you take a moment there? Yes. So essentially what we're talking about here, Scott, is how can we re-engineer the way we do healthcare? How can we simplify it, more importantly? We managed to make the healthcare system very clunky and cumbersome. So I think we have a, now an opportunity to simplify it. 
to uh, go where people live, work and play. That's a key element. I think about healthcare really depending upon people coming to us in the office, in the hospital, in the ER. How about if we go to where people are and start screening people for undiagnosed conditions, uncontrolled conditions. That's how we will have an opportunity to detect health issues much earlier, prevent complications. And along the way, we can reduce and eliminate barriers such as mistrust, transportation, copay, taking time off uh, work that some people cannot afford. And we can also uh, affect healthcare in a, with a greater impact, which is working with underserved communities, which are the groups that tend to seek care the least in the brick and mortar traditional brick and mortar spaces. So that's one play that has to do with with that, how we intertwine that. And then the other element is the use of technology. We tend to dissociate technology with poverty. I would think, uh, well, if you're going to a poor community, technology is gonna be very difficult for them. I mean, think about the analogy with Africa. Africa completely bypassed the phone system at home, right? They went straight to cell, uh, mobile home, uh, technology. And now they conduct e-commerce and do all kinds of transactions, including uh, some of the healthcare, utilizing that technology. So I think we have proven, and that's what we did in Detroit, that we can, um, I'm not necessarily talking about mobile phones, I'm talking about just including technology as a way also to make it easier for the doctors to spend more time with the patients who actually need to spend the time and then automate a lot of tasks, simplify them, reallocate tasks, talk about team-based care where we can have community health workers engaging people, we can have even non-clinical navigators doing bread and butter, like titration medications in a fast and effective way because we have technology to help us do that. So the implications are you know, significant when we start re-engineering and simplifying that healthcare system. Thank you. People talk so much. So much of the discussion right now is patient engagement and how challenging it's been to sort of actually make patient engagement tools work well. How important is that to solving some of these issues of this mix of technology, chronic conditions. And there's more and more discussions about some of the patient engagement tools working well in some of the diabetes areas, but, but people still find it very challenging to get patient engagement tools that patients actually use. It's almost like buying software that people don't actually use. Yes. How, how do we make this more, how, how, what are some of your thoughts on that? Because that's a very important issue, isn't it, for these things? It's huge, it's huge. That's, that's one thing we actually learned in, in Detroit is that there are many ways to, um, several ways to engage people. And, and you said it right, it, it's not enough to give them a blood pressure cuff or a continuous glucose monitor to check their sugar at home or give them a phone number or a website and have them call us whenever they need it. It really is about engaging them. And how do we engage them? One, we need to build trust. How do we build trust? We partner with people in the community. We learn the language. This is probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned for 20 years, I talked to my patients about risks and how to reduce the risk of a stroke, of a heart attack, and so on, telling them how these random mask and control show these and that. And I don't think I ever communicated effectively with them. It was only when we went to the community that we learned what people really want to hear and what ticks them. So for instance, uh, instead of saying, hey, take your blood pressure medications, not necessarily because by reducing 10 millimeters of mercury, reduce risk by 29%, but really is we need to make sure you preserve your memory, your vision, 
your quality of life. We make sure, we'll make sure you, you don't get medications that will have undesired side effects that may affect your quality of life. That's the language that they understand. And I think that's the engagement part. And then the other part, and that's what technology comes into place, and that's where the use of extended uh, care teams come into place is instead of depending on one visit every three or six months because doctors are very busy, we have someone who communicates on a constant basis with them. And now they feel more engaged. Even if they see the primary care doctor less, they feel more engaged because now the doctor has a represent someone representing them and demonstrating that they really care about it. Thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Murillo, always a pleasure to visit with you. I, I love these three big goals or focuses around chronic care, healthcare disparity, and technology, and, and I think so well stated on technology, just can't do this by throwing people and people and people after everything. It's got to be some mix of great people and great technology to, to make this all work. Thank you so much for joining us in a startling, you know, the 90% the of cost being in chronic care is, is fascinating number, actually, fascinating, chronic illnesses. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Scott. It's a pleasure.